Welcome to Acute Conversation, the official podcast of APTA Acute Care, where we share engaging conversations about acute care physical therapy so you can connect to your profession. I'm Ashley. And I'm Leo. Today we chat with Brett Baird and Tito Castillo. They're both students who recently had clinical experiences in the acute care setting. We discuss their time in acute care, relationships with clinical instructors, and their opinions on my co-host and our producer of this podcast, Edward Mathis. Let's welcome our guest. All right. Welcome, Brett Baird, who is a recent DPT grad from Central Michigan University. Not only is he a recent grad, he also just passed his board's exam. Is that correct, Brett? Or yeah, yeah. Here. <laughs> Woohoo! Congratulations. Thank you guys for having me. exciting. Thanks for having me on. So, Brett, we wanted to have you here. We wanted to talk to you about your acute care clinical experience. How did you end up in getting your acute care experience? And what were your expectations before going into it? And then maybe also... What lent to some of the success that you had during that rotation? Okay, yeah. So my acute care clinical was just part of my education. We had to have so many hours in each setting. So my last one, I, my first two, I was in only outpatient clinic. So the last one I needed to satisfy those hours. I was from the area. So that's why I ended up where I did. I just have to say, you saved the best for last. That's what it sounds like. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so... I know that some of your background in terms of you had your outpatient rotations before you were in PT school, you were coaching CrossFit. Was that correct? Yeah. For two years, the last two years of my undergraduate degree, that's what I did for work. Yeah. And And he he has a CSCS too. Yeah. So how did you even, how did you even, before we start talking about your acute care rotation, how did you even get into PT school? How did you even know about PT? How did that happen? Well, I injured my shoulder when I was in high school and Mm -hmm. at that time I, I knew I wanted to do something in the healthcare field, didn't know what. And our athletic trainer at our local high school recommended that I shadow a PT. Perfect. And everything kind of went from there. Kept so shadowing, then, started reading books on it and great. went to college with the idea that that's what I wanted to do. And it ended up working out. So before you went to PT school, before you started, did you even know what acute care physical therapy was? Hardly. Hardly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that PTs were kind of all over and that our, our scope was wide, but I didn't know that we did what we do in the in the hospital, no. So Excellent. I have a question. You said, so I used to work as the assistant director of clinical education. So this is near and dear to my heart. I'm going to have a lot of questions. But you had your first two clinical experiences in the outpatient setting. And then that third clinical experience, that last one, you're expected to be entry level yet you are dumped into an entirely different patient population and setting that's nothing like your first two. So what kind of expectations did you have for yourself going into that experience in acute care? Were you overwhelmed or were you like, I got this? Like, what were you feeling and what were you expecting? Well, I had high expectations for myself because I I thought I had done well on my other rotations and I did well academically. So I didn't think I was going to struggle a lot, but I knew that there was going to be somewhat of a difficult transition. I didn't spend a lot of hours shadowing in the hospital, actually none. So I didn't really know what to expect. I learned a lot in school. So I was hopeful that I'd be able to carry that into the hospital right away. But I was nervous just because I was already set up as an outpatient PT. I had a routine, everything looks one way in the outpatient clinic. And that's what I was the most concerned about. And that was the the hardest transition was 
just learning how to practice and which kind of seems like a completely different manner at mm -hmm. times, at least. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say for other students listening out there that might be going into an acute care clinical rotation that hasn't done it yet. Can you share with them maybe some of your successes, but also what were the challenges for you? What were the biggest challenges that you had to overcome? I think a lot of the success that I had came from overcoming the challenges. <laughs> One of the big ones that was hard for me as a pretty type A individual was going from your set schedule of patients come in on the hour on, and then you get to the hospital. And it, during my introduction, Ed was like, just so you know, it's it's not going to be like that at all. And he had given me a questionnaire <laughs> on my personality and he's like, you're pretty type A, so this might be challenging. So it was good that it was it was addressed right away. And I, I went in with that mindset, which made it an easier transition. But it was hard when you're going from room to room and some mornings you're just like, geez, nobody wants to work with me, right? right. right. Or it's like, okay, they're not here. Let me go to the next one. Yeah. And then like, you can't be like, okay, I'm going to chart review this patient and get into this patient. Then I'm going to chart review this patient and then go see this patient. Then it's like, nope, they're not here. Let's go to the next one. And then the next one. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that can be challenging for students. Yeah. And then the other big one for me was we learned a lot about the acute care setting but we didn't have the lab set up where we got a lot of experience with the lines and the tubes. They were kind of makeshift. It wasn't real world and it wasn't that practical. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden when you're in the equipment closet trying to look for something, all of this medical equipment is just going over <laughs> your head and everyone at the hospital knows everything. So they use abbreviations and they say things quick and in the back of your mind, you're like, wait, what, what tube are they talking about? What? <laughs> Devices. What, you know, what language are they speaking right now? Yeah. <laughs> so that was a transition. It was actually something that I recommended in the end of our program. Our program allowed us to give them feedback on what we would like to have changed for future classes. And that was something I recommended that if they could get a day in a hospital's setting and actually put their hands on some of the different equipment and see it and see it being used so that they kind of internalize what it is used for. It's not just on a PowerPoint slide with a picture. You memorize what it's for for the test, but it's completely different when you actually see it in use. Every item, for the most part, once I seen it once in a room with a patient, I knew what it was. I could describe it. I knew what it was used for, but it was just gaining that experience that took a lot of time. Yeah, get your hands on it. Right. You have to see it in context, right? Because if you just look at it on a slide, you're like, okay, yeah, that's what those are for. Nasal cannula goes in the nose and yeah, they have to wear socks. But I remember being a, a student also, even as a new grad, like, where are the socks? I don't even know where the socks are. How do I get into the closet? <laughs> the sock <laughs> sizes is what got me. Oh, yeah. You, can, you can't read them. I'm like going through the plastic trying to see, is it XL or is it bariatric? What size are these socks? And so many times I open them out of the package and it's like, oh, wrong size. This is not going to fit. <laughs> You've got a collection at Socks at Home from the hospital. That you <laughs> now, now, Brett, I'm going to ask you to be totally honest here, okay? Full disclosure, totally honest. Was there a part of you that was thinking before you went to this clinical rotation, like, all right, it's my last rotation. I have to get it done. Why don't I just get it done and I can mosey on back into outpatient? Kind of like, this is a mandatory thing and I'll just put my head down and grind through it. How was that? What was your thought process before going into this acute care rotation? Yes and no. I know that my heart is an outpatient. 
Mm-hmm. So stop! Don't say that. No. <laughs> what are you after talking about? We'll wrap it together. We'll wrap it together, though. Uh, with the the job I actually just took, I will be covering every now and again weekends at the hospital. So okay, there after you my go. experience, that, I okay. I do enjoy it, and I could see myself working in acute care. But that's not the job that I took. It's not necessarily where I thought I was going to go. I did like it more than I anticipated. Great. But going in, I. I kind of anticipated it feeling like starting from scratch and it mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I had the two outpatient clinical rotations under my belt, felt comfortable in that setting. And I kind of knew that it was going to be different enough that it would feel like starting from scratch. So I didn't have the idea in the back of my head that I was just going to put my head down and kind of grind through it. Like you mm-hmm. were kind of mentioning mm-hmm. it. It was a, an area that I knew I was going to have to work at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it's really helpful for people who are working in outpatient. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm not wrong. But anyway, <laughs> it's really helpful for people working in outpatient, especially like that are attached to a hospital system yes. to know what those patients went through. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can now visualize and know like, OK, I know these patients had this surgery or they had this experience. They were in bed maybe for multiple days. And so they're going to be weaker. Absolutely. So you kind of know where they're starting when they come to you, right? You know, that kind of full spectrum and that full continuum. And I think it's helpful to have that knowledge at the very least. I totally agree. I thought you and were. also just understanding the healthcare system in general, I think helps a lot. Yes. Ooh. Tell us about that. Yeah. Because you yeah, were in a rural kind of healthcare system, right? Yeah. What was that like? So just the big picture of healthcare in general, a hospital in general, I have very minor experiences. I broke my arm when I was in kindergarten. I got a couple of stitches. You know, I was in the hospital once or twice for family members or whatever, but you really don't see anything that goes on behind the scenes. And we all have all of these kind of preconceived notions of what actually does and doesn't go on there. And, and it's we'll not like Grey's Anatomy. Open. We'll say that. No. It's not like Grey's Anatomy or Dr. Well, Alice. Sometimes. Maybe well, sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> no. I grew a really big appreciation for all the different roles of everyone on the healthcare team and what they do and don't do. And a lot of the times, I think that the difficulties that come with family members and patients comes from a disconnect with that understanding. And mm. people sometimes think that, and one of the things that got me when I was in college is, kind of being upset with the healthcare profession for not focusing on health. You know, it's medicine, but that is what medical doctors do is prescribe medicine and help people that are diseased. They're not meant to spend days with you like physical therapists are to help you become healthier. They're there to help you with the, with the disease. And I think that's a disconnect sometimes, but. That is very insightful, honestly, and very true. And I'm kind of curious, how was it for you as a student, new in that environment? Because I see this with a lot of my students. How was it communicating with those other professionals on the other teams? Because I think one of the challenges for students is walking up to a doctor and being like, hey, I'm so-and-so from physical therapy. And here's what I think about the situation. How was that for you? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. It's somewhat nerve wracking at times, especially when there's some of the doctors, those physicians are just incredibly intelligent and they're, they're quick and you don't want to stumble on your words and Mm -hmm. sound like you don't know what you're talking about or anything like that. But I had a really good experience first couple times, a little bit nerve wracking, but after that, all the physicians were very nice and very welcoming. They answered a bunch of my questions 
we had random conversations here and there with it was a very good learning experience and i would urge other pts or students to just take a deep breath try to relax and just try to talk to them like a person and i think that that will go a long ways with communicating with the physicians and then the rest of the healthcare team as well but i think the physicians are the big one that probably gets more nerve-wracking than anything else. most intimidating yeah yeah <laughs> brett so who was your maybe some insight who was your clinical instructor during this last uh, clinical rotation in the hospital? I actually had Edward. Edward Mathis, who is our former, Mathis, yeah. Yeah, our former treasurer through APTA Acute Care and also one of our co-producers for the APTA Acute Conversations podcast. So Leo, uh, we could have fun with this. Yes, yes. I so actually learned a lot about podcast editing. <laughs> we, had a, we had a few down hours now and again, and I got to learn a lot. You know, you, if you want to volunteer and help us out, we, we, will, we could use the help. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did Ed do to help facilitate your learning? Something that Ed did that none of my other CIs in the past did, which I really enjoyed, were weekly assignments. And at first it was kind of like an eye roll, like, oh, you're going to give me a weekly assignment? <laughs> no. At least you're being honest. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> he can be honest now. It's all yep. over, right? Yeah, you're but done. You're ready past. You got your board so you can, well, you know, you can say what you need to say. <laughs> Edward's a member of an academy, and I'm not going to be able to recall the name off the top of my head. That would be the Academy of Prevention and Health Promotion Therapy. But it, it focuses on different areas of, of health. So every week we had one of those different areas that was a focus and I'd have to talk about it and reflect. He gave me podcasts to listen to. I liked all of them. Mm -hmm. Gave me something to listen to once a week on my way in because I had about a half an hour drive. Mm -hmm. and it was a lot of reflecting. At first I thought it was going to be more directed towards, I thought it was going to feel like school. Mm -hmm. Assignments, mm -hmm. looking up information, but it was a lot more focused on health and me as a person and reflecting and taking care of myself and making sure that I'm learning what I need to learn along the way. So those were really beneficial and I enjoyed it after the first few weeks. I got used to it and I learned a lot. So Brett, was that more Edward was able to assess your person? Because that's interesting. So he gave you a personality profile. Did he kind of take that and then he he kind of molded the assignments towards that? Or was it just the stars aligned and and he was able to this is your personality. I was at his personality and it just worked out. How did that, how did that come about? I do, I do think that he molded some of the questions towards mm -hmm. me specifically. Some of the other ones were just standard. So for the first few weeks, we had different lab values. Each day of the week, I looked at a, a lab value. We went through a lot of the, the core competencies and the different documents that are recommended for acute care. And that was just an easy way to digest that information. I didn't have to sit down in one night and read it. It was read this section, focus on this lab value, et cetera, this mm -hmm. diagnosis. That was more in the beginning. And that I, I think was kind of copy and paste, which he would give every student. Yeah. yeah. More of the, the personal things were like, he asked me to write him a workout program. He found out that I coach CrossFit and he's like, all right, this week I want you to write a week program for me. So that was one thing. Other things were the different podcasts were kind of geared towards things that he thought I would like. Gotcha. Gotcha. Did you get any of your patients to do any burpees or kipping pull-ups over in the acute collection <laughs> with the, with the CrossFit? No, maybe? Unfortunately not. No. <laughs> Well, I'm curious. So since we're talking about clinical instructors, I think 
sounds like you had a great one, but not everyone does, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I think a clinical instructor can make or break an experience for a student. So do you have any tips or recommendations for other students out there going into acute care that maybe are either in it and have a great or not so great CI or that are about to go in it? Any tips for how to kind of like open that door of communication or how to facilitate communication with their CI to make it a great experience? Because I think lots of times when there's not a great experience with your CI, the students are so intimidated and nervous mm -hmm. to like approach yes. that yeah. and to have that conversation to help them make it a better experience because, you know, the CI is grading them. There's that fear of retaliation. And so how is that for you and what recommendations would you have for other students? I will preference that I was very fortunate with all three of my CIs. So I don't have a lot of experience with bad CIs and working through those issues, but some of my friends did. Mm. I would say in my experience, the biggest thing is just learning to, to communicate them with them and build a relationship outside of just student and CI. If you can get to know each other a little bit more and be more personable, like that mm -hmm. kind of takes the edge off mm -hmm. and every time i've done that and normally it takes a few weeks i would say with all of my ci's it takes a week or two to start feeling more comfortable with them but you have a conversation here or there about things that are not physical therapy related you get to know each other a little bit better and start to form a relationship and then that just makes everything else go a lot smoother you're more comfortable with each other if there's a topic that you need to talk about that maybe you're not doing that well here or there guards are less they're not down you're more friendly with each other and it's easier to have those conversations i think yeah that's really good advice so another question i have for you this is more of a tips and recommendations as well if looking back over your entire acute care experience what would you say is the one biggest piece of advice you would give other students about going into an acute care experience or what was your biggest takeaway one or the other I think the biggest thing to focus on is just getting comfortable with the lines, the tubes, the rooms, and the setting in general. For me, practicing in the setting wasn't that difficult. There was a lot of things to learn once I got comfortable in the room. But when you're worried about things, you can't think, and then everything else just doesn't go well. Yeah. So that's For me, that, that would be the biggest thing to focus on is spending a lot of time being intentional with the the room setup, the lines, those things, so that you can gain confidence right away. Yeah, that's good advice. I think that's great. I think it's time, Ashley, for our rapid responses. We're going to do oh. a, a short round of rapid responses, Brett. Now, Brett, have you... Do you know what our rapid response round is like? Have you been privy to our what we do here on the podcast? A few conversations. I've, I've heard a couple of them, and I yeah, you know, <laughs> sent the one, so I tried to mentally prepare, but you don't don't know the questions. It's pretty tough. To, yeah, so try to be quick. Yeah, you got to be quick. The first thing that comes to your mind, Brett, just spit it out. So, oh boy, here I'll we go. With, I'll start with the first question, Ashley. Ready? Whenever you're ready, and go, Brett. What's your most favorite type of dessert? Cake. Cake. All right. Favorite way to exercise. Assault bike. What type of music do you have on your exercise playlist? Five Finger Death Punch. Okay, cool. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning. What do you do to relax? Hang out with my fiance and my dog. Awesome. Favorite season? 
fall. Okay. And that's time. So we have to ask you our final question. You know, you work in acute care when fill in the blank. Bodily fluids and bad smells no longer bother you. <laughs> Very well, true. if you got to that point, I commend you because the smells still get to me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Very true. Awesome. Well, Rhett, if anyone wants to reach out to you, is there somewhere they could find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. We can put it in the show notes. Yeah, and then they could always email me as well. Awesome. I thought it was Baird I Love Acute PT. Was that yours? Or was that somebody <laughs> else? Maybe? No? Uh, maybe after a new account. Oh, okay, maybe a new one. I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. Awesome. Well, Brett, thank you so much for taking the time and having a conversation with us. No, thanks for having me on. Ed is like when he walks, he's on a mission and he has no regard for where you are. So he just, he's like, okay, we got to go check this. And I'll be like talking to a nurse or something. And all of a sudden, Ed's gone. And it's just, you know, running down the hallway like, Ed, wait for me. You better have your running shoes then, right? Oh, you walk on a clip too. I love it. You're like. All right. So let me introduce Roberto Castillo, otherwise known as Tito Castillo, recent graduate from. University of Illinois at Chicago's DPT program. He's a recent grad class of 23. I've had the pleasure of being one of his instructors. And this class specifically, I called my Michael Jordan class because class of 23. Tito has recently finished his graduated class and he's studying for the boards. Tito, welcome. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Just, huh? for, the, just for reference, Michael Jordan did hail from North Carolina. I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> There's a connection over here. Yes, absolutely. Welcome, Tito. We're happy to have you. Thank you. So, Tito, let's start off with this. Let's maybe just establish where you're at right now. You just graduated. What are you up to nowadays? Now it's just a lot of a lot of studying. Yeah, yeah, just studying for boards. I take them at the end of July, so just doing like some prep work in a book and doing some practice exams. As, as much fun as that is. So yeah, as fun as that is, when you. When you take those practice exams and you just get direct. You're like, oh, do I know anything? Did I did I graduate? Do I did let me graduate? But those those practice exams are set up so that you really kind of cover all your bases and you prep for the exam. So, Tito, tell us a little bit about first of all during your didactic training in school. What was your first exposure? So, what acute care is? Because I'm assuming that before you even came into PT school, you probably had a very little, if any knowledge of what acute care physical therapy is like. So talk to me about your first kind of exposure to acute care PT. Oh, yeah, because did you start during COVID probably? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm curious to hear this. Yeah. Tell us about that. So a lot of it, a lot of the exposure just came from classes really of just kind of the, the didactic work of learning different diagnoses and how to respond. And then, and then we got into kind of more of like the the technology aspect or like just knowing like patient interactions and situations. Um, and that's really what I remember. And then we did some kind of those in-person classes when we could, as we mentioned, we had the COVID, like we had the, the greater COVID restrictions and we did just kind of responded to different situations. A lot of it as you know, from multiple programs was responding to classmates. So that was the challenge part of like applying that to to how it actually looks like. So before you started, did you even know what acute PT was? Before you started, even before, like when you were applying to PT programs, did you like your physical therapist? 
right? Did you have any observation experiences in acute care? Because I know a lot of students don't always get that chance. Exactly. Yeah. So mine was pretty limited. I volunteered at Shirley Ryan, but that's more acute rehab. So I didn't really see like the acute acute care side. That's kind of more separate. So yeah, very limited. So I remember just in that first year being really confused, even as to like the difference between acute care, acute rehab, subacute, skilled nursing, et cetera, et cetera. So when you came into PT school, were you like, I want to be a sports PT or I want to be a peds PT? Did you know what kind of PT you wanted to be? Or were you just kind of like, eh, I'll figure it out as I take all these classes? Yeah, I think it was more of like the figure it out. I think I knew that I did well with the geriatric population, surprisingly, but I didn't have like a certain setting in mind. I had worked in ortho. So that's really, that's all my brain was wrapped around. So tell us where your acute care clinical experiences were. And then I would also love to know your rationale, because a lot of students, like as they're preparing to match to clinical sites and as they're thinking about like where they want to go, what was your reasoning process in selecting the ones you did? Yeah. So the first acute care experience I had was at Rush University Medical Center here in Chicago. And a lot of the, the selection for me, at least, was here in the city. It's a pretty well-known hospital in terms of like quality care that they can provide and just resources and then proximity just staying in Chicago and still having like friends and family around and that one I really loved it was an exposure to like different floors that they have we spent about two weeks per unit oh that's cool yeah so we did like medical ICU adult ICU we did oncology neuro we didn't do any cardio at the time uh, and then ortho in different settings as, like, as well on top of that. So let me stop you. This is fascinating mm-hmm. to me that you were able to spend like a couple different weeks on all these different services because I feel like when students go to sites, they're, they're with a therapist and maybe if it's a large hospital, they're like on one service the whole time or if it's a smaller community hospital, they're seeing kind of a lot of different things. But I'm curious from a student perspective, when you were going two weeks here and two weeks there, and two, did you ever really feel like you got competent in any one area or was it mostly just like an exposure clinical for you? And you're like, I, I don't have to get entry level this time, so it's okay. I think a little bit of both. It was the exposure. I actually really enjoyed like retrospectively kind of looking back on that. But I think it was, it was tough because as we're becoming more competent, like within like two weeks that we're there, it feels really good. And then it's like time to switch. So I enjoyed it, but I definitely wish, you know, in a different world, I had like a double the time in each place. Absolutely. So that was your first one. That was your first mm-hmm. clinical rotation. And shout out to the therapists over at Rush Hospital and doing a fantastic job in the CIs that you were exposed to. Because I think when I remember, you had a fantastic experience over there. Mm-hmm. So, and Tito, you're a rare case where you're a student that's gotten two exposures to the acute care setting. Can you tell us about the second clinical rotation that you had? Yeah. So I really enjoyed my first acute care rotation. And I think while I was in that is when we were selecting our third and final one. So I wanted a little bit of, you know, branching out and enjoying my experience, but also still touching on acute care. So I went to Hawaii Veterans Memorial Hospital in Hawaii, which is like an island of Hawaii. People are unfamiliar, but... I don't know why you would want to go to Hawaii. Yeah. That sounds awful. It's because of the acute care, not because it was in Hawaii. Yeah, right. Not because of the beautiful beaches, just because of the acute care. I love it. Exactly. Okay. 
Yeah. So that, it, and that one was also really great. It was a very different experience in the sense that, so it was both acute care and they had something called like a swing bed system. So if patients needed longer rehab, they would, they would swing to skilled nursing. So we could have them for like, you know, as long as we needed, like up to, you know, a few weeks, depending on insurance. But that one just exposed me to like a different aspect of acute care that had to do with a lot more with like how to coordinate interprofessionally and then dealing with, at least on where I was, there's less resources, just more poverty. And just being on an island, there's less that people have access to. So it, it brought on kind of more the people skills as well. And just like communication was like the biggest thing there. Interesting. So tell me, talked about the fact that you were in the ICU for a little bit. And then you also talked about like the difference between the two experiences. I would love to just know kind of overall, like your first exposure to lines and leads and tubes and just the complexity of the environment. And how did, how did your comfort level and your confidence change over time with all of that going from like one setting to another setting and really two different systems as well. Well, luckily I will say I give a lot of credit to my like first two clinical instructors at Rush. They did a really good job at helping us increase in comfort with that. So like walking into that first, like our, like our first patient and seeing all the lines and tubes was really intimidating, honestly, even with practice in school, it's like, it doesn't prepare you for mm-hmm. fully for like being afraid that, Hey, this actually could pull out this line could pull out, or I, I need to like be more aware of this. So they, they just did like a really good job at making sure we were aware and we kind of stopped us before we, we did things to kind of get us thinking about what's missing and what we need to still address before movement happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, with that, it definitely helped. And then by, like I mentioned, by the end of like those two week little rotations, like we, like I felt a lot more comfortable. And then the student that I shared the clinical with as well, too. That's fantastic. And so Ashley has a lot of experience working in clinical education. So it's always great to hear what did CIs do out there, especially working in acute care that helped facilitate your learning, right? So part of it is just kind of titrating the complexity level, getting you ramped up and stepping in right where you needed help. So that kind of helped out. What were some other things that your CIs, whether it was during your clinical at Rush or even the one that was in Hawaii, share with us? Because I think the audience would love to hear, especially for those CIs that are out there. What are some things that the CIs, your clinical instructors did that helped facilitate your learning? And this can be specific to acute care, but even just in general, what are some things that, that aided in your, in your education? Well, I know it, you know, it can be personalized per student, but I think for me, what I really saw that helped both me and my classmate was feedback, both like positive and then like, like, I wouldn't say negative feedback necessarily, but like constructive, well, constructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that definitely helped the most, the positive, you know, obviously helped like building your confidence as a therapist and knowing that even though you're a student, you still know what you're doing to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the constructive feedback to like, obviously continue to learn and grow throughout the clinical and just having that so that I can continue to apply later and later on. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up the importance of positive feedback. Cause I think sometimes people forget how important that is to a student. Cause I'm sure there were many times you went into a room and were like, okay, let me try something, you know, let's see if I can figure this out on my own. 
And then you walk out of the room and you're wondering like, how did I do? How did I do? And when you hear that positive feedback, you specifically said it helps increase my confidence. Mm -hmm. And that's what we hear a lot from CIs is like the students just need to be more confident, but they can't be more confident if you don't tell them good job on this specific thing that you did so you can repeat it. So I'm so glad to hear you say that. Just kind of touching to what you said, Ashley, of like the, like the specific feedback I think is important Mm -hmm. versus coming out of a room and just being like, you did a good job. I'm like, okay. Thanks. But the like the specificity helps a lot too to know, oh, that was good. I'm going to do that the next time as well. I agree so much. And I'm curious, I would love to hear for you. Now that we're in Clint Edge, you're going to get me on a whole new tangent here. But, <laughs> but anyway, I digress. I would be curious to hear as well, communication with your CI, like, and especially in acute care, I feel like that communication is really important. How did you and your CI kind of establish how you were going to communicate? when you were going to give feedback and specifically what about your CI made you comfortable opening up and communicating with them? Um, I think it was just their approach of like, like not necessarily not being what's what would be the best word, like condescending. So mm. just kind of like seeing this as like peers as well, mm-hmm. or seeing this an opportunity to learn yeah. that definitely helped the most. And I think at least for my first clinic, and I think my second one as well, just kind of establishing my CIs did a good job asking when I wanted feedback. So I know some people do better getting the feedback immediately, like throughout the treatment session while you're there, whereas some students may prefer like, oh, let me just kind of go through the, the like the treatment and then we can talk about it after. I kind of did, I, I preferred a little bit of both because I obviously, you know, in terms of patient safety, we don't want to make big mistakes. So like having like CI step in when something is leaning towards like getting unsafe mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if something's more beneficial to a patient, like I would prefer to just know right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterwards, just hearing kind of the breakdown of how things went. That's great. Now, Tito, you had mentioned about that communication and almost looking at not this hierarchical where there's a CI and the student is underneath them. You said it helped facilitate your learning because you were looked at as peers or maybe like a mentor and a mentee. Actually, you've done some research in this, right? In terms of having the students feel like they're a part of the group, right? Yeah. Welcome. And how that facilitates the learning as opposed to this, you have to, because I think a lot of CIs, they have this kind of old, outdated mentality where you have to kind of prove your worth and you have to kind of rise up the ladder as opposed to they do sense that they feel part of the team, the sense of belonging. I don't know if you maybe want to expound a little bit on on that or just what you thought. Yeah, about I mean, we, so me and the research team, shout out to my research team and our our paper just got accepted for publication. Mm. So be on the lookout in JOPTI, Journal of PT Education. Yeah. But we actually validated a scale that measures belongingness in DPT students. So it was already out in the nursing literature and we just adapted it and, and revalidated it for DPT. But there's a whole lot of literature out there that talks about how important a sense of belonging is for mm-hmm. students in the classroom and in the clinic. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be more difficult in the clinic because you're only there for a short period of time. But if you feel that sense of belongingness, it's going to increase your academic success. It's going to increase your self-efficacy and all kinds of positive outcomes that can come from that. So yeah, I, thank you, Leo, for bringing that up. Shoot, a little bit of a plug-in for that. And then, you know, Tito, I wanted to ask you too real quick. So we, we talked about from the clinical instructors, but what would you say to some of the students out there in our audience that are listening, going into an acute care rotation, what are some tips 
that you would give them to kind of help them have a successful clinical rotation, whether that's interaction with their CI, interaction with their patients? What are some of the things that really helped you out and what's advice you can give them to those students that are embarking on that acute care rotation? I mean, I don't know if you've already heard in the way that I'm kind of presenting it, but definitely asking questions is the mm -hmm. biggest. Mm -hmm. uh, I think as students, we tend to feel like embarrassed or even like kind of ashamed that we don't know certain things or that certain things aren't coming to mind right away. So just asking because like, why not? And if, and they could always open up the conversation for a CI to be like, Hey, like you should know this, but you should spend some time reviewing. So like asking questions for sure. And then I would say in terms of like patient interactions, just being patient, I think every single patient is going to be different. So giving them the time to kind of hear where you're coming from, because I think as a student, not every patient will be super excited to be working with somebody that has wearing, you know, a little student badge. Yeah. <laughs> so I know kind of, kind of ties in a little bit to the, like feeling like you fit in, but I think being inviting and welcoming and yeah, like I mentioned patient people. Awesome. Yeah. I think students being able to hear that advice is important. And I, I feel like you're touching on so many things that I would comment on too. Like the fact that to ask questions, right? Like I think students expect to go out there and they're just going to know how to do it because, oh, I had all these classes. I should be able to just go out there and apply it, but it's not easy. And it's okay to not to know, right? It's okay mm -hmm. to need practice. It is okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. But I'm so mm -hmm. glad to hear you say that. Uh, and I would just say too, this is more of me just going on and then asking a question, but for students, maybe you don't have that great relationship with their CI, like maybe coming out of the room and you're not giving that, getting that positive feedback that you need to hear. That's a great time to ask the question and be like, Hey, you know, I tried out this exercise with the patient, but I wasn't sure if that was, you know, the right choice or the best choice. What do you think about that? Is that what you would have chosen? Like being able to ask questions like that is important too. So last question for you, any tips for maybe students who don't have that same relationship that you had with your CI? I don't know what your other relationships with your CIs were like, but any tips for them who maybe are out there struggling right mm -hmm. now in their clinical experiences or maybe struggling? Yeah. I mean, I was pretty fortunate to have CIs, great CIs in all my clinicals. That's a little tough, but I think the biggest thing is also just like throughout your clinical, like spending time, just getting to know your CI, like just as a person versus just seeing them as like, oh, somebody who's over me and like here to like grade me and making sure that I get entry, but just kind of creating, allowing yourself to be a part of the community at whatever like clinical site you are at. And then, you know, if it gets to the point where like your communication isn't going as well as you want it to, like inviting or like asking like a, a third party, typically, you know, everybody has like an assigned professors that can kind of mediate that conversation between CI and student. Yeah, that's great. And I would also advocate for reaching out to your director of clinical education too, because they can help a lot. But I just have to ask before we do our rapid responses, when, I'm not going to say if, when you pass your boards in July, are you going to be looking for jobs in acute care? That's the, that's the goal. Yes. As I mentioned. We got another one. I love it. I love it. All right. That's great yeah. to hear. I would love to move to Kauai, but so we'll see, you know, they, fingers crossed, they have an open position in acute care. 
Fantastic. That's great to hear. That's good to hear. Thank you, Tito. I, I guess you were just exposed to just wonderful instructors at UIC that have motivated <laughs> your clinical rotations that just I don't know who that would be. I don't know. Leo, <laughs> just go ahead and pat yourself on the back. There you go. <laughs> I have to be careful. I, today I, I was uh, shout outs too. <laughs> today I was I was working with a, a student. She was my lab assistant instructor. We were joking around. We knew a lady. She she used to be the director of of inpatient services, and one of her former professors came back to work as registry. So technically, even though he was her professor when she was in school, when he came back to work registry, she, the former student, was managing. Tito, you might be my manager down the line. I better be good. Oh, that's great. That is great. (laughs) I think it's time for rapid responses, Tito. It is. It is. Do you know how this works or do we need to explain it to you? I think a little explanation would help. (laughs) All right. So we're going to go time you for a minute. We're going to ask you some random questions. No wrong answers. First thing that pops into your head, just shout it out. We're going to go a minute. All right. All right, I am ready with the timer. And Leah, you asked the first question. Go. Okay, Tito, what's your favorite thing to do during the summertime? Be outside. Be outside. Excellent. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I'd say more morning person. Good. Tell me about what's the most recent book that you read? Oh, I read the newest Stephen King book. I'm blanking on it, but that's what I read. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. What's your favorite pet? I'm. I'm a dog guy for sure. Tito, if somebody was going to play you in the movie, in the Tito Castillo movie biopic, who would play you? I, not because we look alike, it's just the first thing that came to mind. Timothy Chalamet. Okay. What's your favorite color of scrubs? Blue, navy blue. Tito, describe your perfect pizza. Ooh, I would say veggie with pepperoni. Okay, fantastic. Okay, and we only have two seconds left, so we have to ask you this. You know you work in acute care when, fill in the blank. You do your best not to get refusals. Ah, (laughs) that's a good one. Oh, here's a good one too. So when you got refused, this is good for the students out there. When patients said, ah, I don't want to do therapy today, what was your selling point? How would you be able to kind of woo them into participating for those initial refusals, Tito? How'd you make the sale? Oh, the sale. I would sometimes it's just as simple as like, oh, well, you know, you haven't been outside in a while. Or, oh, do you have to use the restroom? Maybe we could walk for <laughs> And then you go there and then you end up somewhere else. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic. Yes. I think we should make it our mission to get as few refusals as possible in acute care. Right. And I, I, one mistake students make, and I tell them, don't do this. You can't go in the room and say, Hi, I'm from physical therapy. Do you want to get up and move today? Because then when they say no, you're like, yeah, you're done, right? Great you just have thing. to go and go, hi, I'm from therapy and it's time to get up and get moving, right? This is what we're going to do today. Yep, exactly, exactly. You got to make that sale. You got to make that sale. And Tito, it's great to hear that you did a fantastic job and you had a fantastic experience in these past clinical rotations. Are there any places that people can find you on social media or to be able to contact you if they needed to contact you, if they had questions for you? I don't have social media, but I can share my email. We'll put in the show notes. We'll put your emails so in case people have questions, if they have interest in or questions for you, we can put them in the show notes. Tito, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us of coming on the podcast today. It was great to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you both. Awesome. Thanks, Tito. We would like to thank Brett and Tito for joining us today. Acute Conversations is the official podcast of ABT Acute Care. It is hosted by Leo Argulis and Ashley Poole. Executive produced by Katie Brito and Edward Banks.
Music by Alexia Action from Pixabay. Sound effects also from Pixabay. For more information about APT IQ Care, please go to our website, aptiqcare.org. And be sure to check out our show notes for links and resources from the Academy. If you found value from our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, follow, and share with your friends and colleagues. Join us in two weeks for conversations with EPT students Katie Kaz and Abby Gibson about their experiences within Acute Care and their university student-led Acute Care 6. Thank you for listening and may your shoes and scrubs stay clean today. This is why we need sponsors. Mm. Ed, throw this out there as a commercial. We need sponsors mm-hmm. so we can film live podcasts from Hawaii, please. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, this is stressful. We need to retreat every now and then, you know? True.